0: Remember back to Thanksgiving week? I said that Carolina men's basketball had five games in 11 days and that we'd know a lot more about them after that stretch. Well, we know a lot more about them after that stretch. You are locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. there, it's Monday, December 5th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listener watch to get your team every single day. Oh, well, uh, we've got a lot of sad basketball and football things to talk about today, so can we please just take a second right out of the gate to say a big congrats to the women's soccer team who is advancing to the Women's College Cup tonight, Monday, for a national championship opportunity against this, uh, against UCLA. Carolina knocked off Florida State 3-2 in a crazy match earlier in the weekend. And so uh, tonight's College Cup final, 6 p.m. Eastern, it's in Cary, so you can go check it out cheer on the ladies as, man, the the women Tar Heels are just bringing in all sorts of national championships this fall. You love to see it. Congrats, ladies. Thank you for bringing some W's to Chapel Hill. So we're going to talk about the ACC championship loss to Clemson in just a little bit. But first, we got to start with the historic downturn that the men's basketball team is on. And I literally mean historic. I'm going to tell you all about that right now. Why? Well, They have lost four games in a row at this point, which you are very well aware of, starting in Portland with Iowa State. And then the four overtime loss to Alabama went straight to Bloomington in Indiana, where they lost to the Hoosiers and then to Blacksburg yesterday, where they lost to Virginia Tech to kick off ACC play. So over the weekend, knowing that if Carolina lost to Virginia Tech, and even if they beat them, there was the chance that they might fall out of the AP Top 25. Now, I uh, am recording this before the new poll drops on Monday, so you might already know uh, what it says, but I think it's safe to assume at this point that the Tar Heels are not in it. So over the weekend, I began to wander the thought. I wonder how often and how quickly the preseason AP number one team has ever fallen out of the rankings. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go research it because I don't know. Let's figure it out. Because if you know me, you know I love some good research and some good statistical deep dives. So you ready? Here's the unfortunate and sad answer. North Carolina will become the earliest preseason number one AP team to drop out of the AP top 25 in The 25 era, which started in 1989 and 90 season. The AP poll itself started back in the 1948-49 season. Crazy, it goes back that far. So this is the 75th season of the AP poll. So that means there have been 74, 75 now AP preseason number one teams. Prior to this year, of the 74 teams, only five of the preseason number ones had ever fallen out of the top 25 or top 20 or top 10, as it was at one point, at any point in the season. That's right. Five teams in 74 years, only those were fell out of the top rankings at some point in that season. Carolina is now going to be the sixth to ever fall out at some point in the season. But I also thought, you know, they're falling out really early. I wonder if that's ever happened before, like if they're the earliest team to fall out. And as I've already told you, yeah, they are. Of the five previous ones that I just mentioned, two were in seasons where the AP only ranked 10 teams at a time. So you kind of throw that away because that's less than half of what's ranked now. A third was when they were only ranking 20 teams. So Carolina is just, that means the third team ever in the top 25 era to fall out of the AP rankings at some point in that season. That was the previous ones were Kentucky in thirteen fourteen. They fell out of the top 25 in the 19th poll of the season. And the other was Michigan state in 2019, 20 who fell out of the top 25 in the 15th poll of the season. North Carolina is about to fall out in the fifth poll of the season. So yes, North Carolina is the earliest team that was preseason AP number one to fall out of the AP top 25 poll in history. Yikes, but hang on friends plot twist because all of that, that I just talked about the, the losing streak that's been going on leads uh, to a panic quite frankly from the fan base. But here's the thing, all that said, That means it's time for some sort of contrarian voice to come in and be a voice of logical, rational reason. And that's going to be me today. If you recall last year, I preached patience with Coach Davis in year one as he and the team and the rest of the coaching staff worked to figure things out. Well, I hate to tell you, but I'm going to be a broken record because I'm going to be that guy again and preach that same thing. I, I think part of it is... What's happening right now is there's this early worry that this is going to be the Cole Anthony season all over again. Um, Coach Williams penultimate coaching team. And I I just, I want you to not feel that this team is infinitely more talented than that team. All due respect to the guys that played on that team. This team is just frankly better. And it's, it's not a comparison. This to me The four-game losing streak, absolutely. It is an issue of the team playing bad right now. They'll own that. The coaching staff would own that. But it is also more than that. There is a lot at play. Um, This losing streak, I mean, as, as AP preseason number one, should you win all or at least most of these four games you've just lost? Absolutely. And history suggests that. But let me give you some reasons why I believe they haven't played as well as they should. A lot of it is there's just been this crazy set of circumstances and logistics, travel, injury. Um, Against Virginia Tech, all of a sudden Armando Baycott is out, which you wondered if he might be, but DeMarco Dunn, you didn't know about, right, comes in and has a broken hand. But you think about the travel. You have these three games in four days in Portland, the last of which is a four-over time game. This is Thanksgiving week. Your first game was at 10 a.m. local time. You travel straight to Bloomington, Indiana from there, where you play what I think is the hardest game of the non-conference season in ridiculously crazy Assembly Hall, good on the Hoosiers for that environment. You come back to Chapel Hill. You have about a practice and a half to try to figure out how to work through the issues you currently have before you go to Blacksburg, which is also going to be an insane Uh, scenario where they're playing inner Sandman just like they do before football games and you got to try to go win that with little to no time to work on the issues that are going on of course things are still going to look the same because North Carolina has been away from home now for five straight games with no time to fix any issues that they have and I think part of the rest of the reason this issue is compounded is because you lost to Iowa State to start this stretch if North Carolina had beaten Iowa State, you look at that Alabama game and you think, yeah, we should beat them, but they are a top, what I think is a top 15, maybe even top 10 team this season, given the talent they have. And again, as AP preseason number one, you should beat them, but you can understand that game. Going to Indiana, I mean, that's, that's I don't know hardly any teams in the nation that would have won in Assembly Hall that night. And so if you had beaten Iowa state, you could understand one or both of those losses. Like I even said in my preseason predictions, as I looked at the schedule, literally on this show, I said, Carolina is going to lose one game at the Phil Knight Invitational and lose at Indiana. Like I, I predicted both of those things. Now, if you don't lose to Iowa state, if you beat them, then that comes true and is like, yeah, we, that's, I get that but then you're now getting all this pressure and so you go lose at Virginia Tech cuz you're putting so much pressure on yourself. You don't have the ACC preseason player of the year. And so all of these games, road, neutral sites. I, and I also think that because all of this is all of these games are in this short compacted time all up on each other. If they were spread out, if if there were other games in between, you wouldn't notice it as much, but this is a brutal, a brutal part of the schedule. And so while it seems like the world is falling apart at five and four, patience. Patience with yourself. Patience with the coaching staff. Patience with the players. And I know not all of you are going to agree with me. And that's okay because, frankly, it's my job to come up with a way to tell you how to feel and think about it. And so I know everyone's got chicken little. The world is falling. But it is a long season. The Tar Heels are, like, uh, depending on how far into the season they get, just a third or a, a quarter into the season. So, patience, 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 please, with this team. Are they perfect? No. Have they played poorly? Yes. But there's a lot else that's been externally at play in this whole scenario. The good news is, there's now a week, then you host Georgia Tech at home, and then you host Citadel the next Tuesday night, the worst team on paper that you will play all season. An opportunity for Carolina to get right and get ready for what is ahead after that. Now, moreover, I was highly encouraged by the second half of the Virginia Tech game. You throw just let's just throw away the first half of the game on Sunday. How on earth could I be? encouraged by what happened i'll tell you as we have our four corners recap and my shady stat of the game but before we get there this episode is brought to you by omaha steaks that's right one of our brand new sponsors last week the holidays are here and i want to encourage you to achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged tender and delicious omaha steaks The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together these special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. So go to omahasteaks.com and use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off your order. You can send an assortment of mouthwatering favorites guaranteed to impress, like the legendary butcher's cut filet mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra juicy burgers, and even easy-to-prepare comfort meals ready in a flash. And listen, I got to tell you, When I first read that last week, my mouth was watering. So I literally myself went straight to their website and started looking because I still had some gifts I needed to buy for my family. And now with $30 off, yeah, I'm absolutely doing that. Omaha Steaks got that Peyton Manning train going. So friends, Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. So order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com and use promo code locked on at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. A minimum order may be required. All right, so getting into our Four Corners recap of the Virginia Tech loss. So, for those of you who are new or just checking out the show for the first time, Every basketball game we recap, we do a four corners recap as a way to honor coach Dean Smith and uh, his four corners offense that he did. So four corners point number one, with 12 minutes left in this game, Virginia Tech led by 18 points. Less than nine minutes later, yes, just nine minutes later, Carolina had knocked off 15 points off that lead. They trailed at this point by just three, with Caleb Love standing at the free throw line trying to make it two. Now, uncharacteristically, Caleb missed that free throw, and then Carolina never again got that close as Virginia Tech pushed it back out. But hear that. Over the course of almost nine minutes, Carolina cut into Virginia Tech's seemingly insurmountable lead. That's what this team can be. The issue is that they haven't been either the rest of this game or most of the rest of the season, even in the five wins. The problem is they had basically gone through the motions for the first 28 minutes of the game. And you just can't do that on the road in ACC play and expect to win with or without Armando Baycott on the floor. That's just not a reality. But why I want to point this out and and say, yes, I see that is because this easily could have turned into a 20-point-plus blowout the way things went. But Carolina fought and scrapped and clawed their way back to keep just cutting in to this Virginia Tech lead until they got it down to three and almost two. And you just don't know what happens if you keep that momentum going. Now, they weren't able to, and Virginia Tech was able to take advantage of some some Tyler Nickel. Uh, not quite their defense yet. Still learning as a freshman, but, but he was in there, but the key takeaway from that whole comeback that I think travels the rest of the season, it was not the Carolina offense. It was the Carolina defense that changed the tenor of that second half, that final 12 minute stretch with who Seth Trimble as the head of the snake out there with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. Very interesting uh, how that played out and and what happened. And Carolina looked good in that stretch, or at least much better than they have in a lot of the season. What that tells me, if this team plays that type of defense with that type of energy, this Carolina team is going to win basketball games, and they're going to win a lot of them but they got to do it from the tip and they got to do it till the final horn sounds. That's been the issue so far. Number two, it was a better shooting day for Caleb Love and RJ Davis, who each individually hit over 50% from the field. They were 11 11 for 21 combined. so, So just north of 50%. You love to see that, but where the issue was is that they were still not good from three, a combined two of nine, and both of those came from R.J., or excuse me, from Caleb. R.J. was over four from three, and so just just the shooting from deep is just not there. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're, if they're having mechanical issues, if it's mental, what's going on at this point, but obviously you know they're frustrated about it. You know the coaching staff is frustrated about it, and they're working on it. So we've been keeping our eyes on those guys to see, are, are they going to be more aggressive? Are they going to get downhill? And that's part of what made the second half go better as the defense started. So the, so the offense kept attacking and that led to the speaking of which Pete Nance was a lot more aggressive in this game. And to wit he, RJ and Caleb all finished with 18 points to lead the team, but Carolina was very aggressive Um, got got into the bonus quickly in both halves and finished 21 of 27 from the free throw line. Those are the kind of things, especially with as good a free throw shooting team as Carolina is, that that can work game in and game out. Be the aggressors, be the ones forcing the other team to foul you and send you to the free throw line and then go hit all your free throws. Four corners point number three. We've been begging and pleading for depth and we finally got to see it. Uh, it was not by choice, but by default because of Armando Baycott being out with injury because of, <clears throat> excuse me, DeMarco Dunn being out with injury. And then in the first half, RJ and Caleb and Leaky all picked up two fouls. And so coach Davis is trying to manage that. And so all of that led to depth and, and seeing more people. And so Tyler Nickel and Seth Trimble both played over 20 minutes in this game. And so, Uh, You love seeing them forced into action. You wish it was by choice from the coaching staff, but um, however it may come, we'll ride with it. Now, here's the weird thing. If you had told me coming into the game that Armando won't play and that, uh, excuse me, DeMarco won't play, I would have said, oh, Puff Johnson probably plays 32, 35 minutes or something in that range. He did start his first ever start for Carolina. Congrats to you, Puff. But he only played 12 minutes. It felt like he was ineffective, and maybe that's why he wasn't on the court. But just a strange thing as Carolina is needing trustworthy depth, and Puff Johnson wasn't where they found it. That is atypical from how Coach Davis has deployed that young man. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that. Number four, the four... The fourth piece of our four corners recap uh, from the Virginia Tech game is here is a negative thing. I know I said reason for optimism going forward and I I do have it, but there, I also do want to point out that there are some troubling numbers that are still troubling. Let me just list them off for you. Points in the paint. Carolina has now allowed in the last three games, 40, 50, and 42 points in the paint in those games. Not good. Assist percentage. Uh, This is just confounding at this point. Two straight games now where Carolina has assisted on just 25% of their field goals. It was 5 of 20 against Indiana and 6 of 24 in this game against Virginia Tech. Neither of those are season lows. It was the 18% against UNC Wilmington to kick off the season. But what? Like, It just doesn't make sense. The offense, that is a clear sign to me that the offense continues to operate not at its most efficient level. Rebounding. Listen, I thought Carolina had turned a corner after they were out-rebounded the first two games and were making some good strides. But now, three games in a row that the Tar Heels have been out-rebounded. The previous two were pretty close, but this one, Carolina was minus 14 on the glass. Now, I say that while full well knowing who's sitting on the bench, Armando Bacot. Great. Still, minus 14 on the glass. That's not going to do it. <sighs> uh, and then two other things that troubling numbers that continue to be troubling. The Tar were just three of 17 from three. Two of them were from Caleb that we already talked about. And the third was Pete Nance who hit it uh, his three in that big closing stretch of the second half as Carolina was getting closer and closer. That's not going to cut it. And then uh, the the final number is 10 turnovers. Now you hear 10 turnovers for North Carolina. You think that's, I mean, that's really not all that bad. You'd love to be in single digits, but um, for Tar Heels as, as paced as they play 10 turnovers, whatever, but five of those were in the first five minutes of the game. And when you're on the road, you've already been struggling and you're trying to set a pace and a tone and say, Hey, we're going to come out and control this game. And you give up the ball five times in the first five minutes of the game. That's just not going to, that's not going to do now good on the Tar Heels for only having five more turnovers the rest of the way, but you've already dug a hole too deep to get out of. And at that point, I don't know what you're going to do. All right. So that's the four corners recap for the game. Let's finish off this with the shady stat of the game. This goes back to our rebounding. And again, part of it is Armando Baycott being on the bench, but here's the number. Carolina in the first half had precisely zero offensive rebounds. That's right. A North Carolina basketball team had zero offensive rebounds in a half. And their first one didn't come until five minutes into the second half. So it was 25 minutes of game action before Carolina. And it was Dontre Styles that got it, got the first offensive rebound of the game. The Tar Heels finished with just four total on the day. That is not a vintage Carolina team. You know it, and I'm aware of it as well. So uh, more to work on. But again, you got a week. You got time to rest and sleep your head in your own bed and then come out ready to go against Georgia Tech on Saturday. Hopefully, resting Armando Baycott helps with that. Obviously, DeMarco Dunn's going to be out a while, and so that throws off your backcourt rotation. But I think it means bigger minutes for Seth Trimble, which is what you want to see anyway. Well, unfortunately, the men's basketball team is not the only team to lose. And in fact, men's basketball and football now have a combined seven straight losses between them three in a row for football and four in a row for men's basketball. What happened to the football team against Clemson? I'll tell you in a minute. But first, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Here at Locked on Tar Heels, we believe that home should be where you and your family feel the safest, especially over the holidays. So this season, give your family and yourself, the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering our locked on Tar Heel listeners 40% off a new system. So don't delay, get on it right now. Here's why I love it this day and age where everything in my house is basically controlled by Alexa, I love that I can just get on my phone and find the, the cameras in crystal clear uh, HD and, and anything else it needs to be. It's convenient and right there anytime I want it. And so with the top rated Simply Safe app, you can stay in complete control of your system. You can arm it or disarm it, unlock it for a guest, access your cameras, adjust system settings, anything you want to do at any time, anywhere because of the handy dandy app. So, don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new system at simplysafecom locked on college. Again, that's simplysafecom locked on college because there's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, here it is. The football team has now reached a three-game losing streak as well, so they'll go for their fourth attempt at winning 10 games this season in their bowl game, which is going to be December 28th against Oregon. We're going to get into bowl games. We're going to get into transfers, all of that later in the week. Today, I just want to start by talking about the ACC championship game, and then we'll get into that other stuff later. I was so encouraged at the beginning of this game. I was like, dude, you can't, almost really can't come out better than Carolina did. Clemson gets the ball first, three and out. Carolina goes down, touchdown. Clemson gets the ball back. Boom, another three and out. And it's like, dude, okay. But then North Carolina had a three and out. And it's like, well, all right, let's just go get another one. But who comes trotting out on the field? It's not DJ Uyangalile. It's freshman quarterback Cade Klubnik coming out for the Tigers. And it's like okay, you know, he's a true freshman coming out of Austin, Texas. Number one, dual threat in the country, in the class. And so, you know, he's going to be good, but he's had some moments earlier this year because he's a freshman. where he just didn't look so good. And so it's like, all right, Dabo, we'll see what you got. Well, Clemson scores touchdowns on three straight drives. Part of that is aided by the Tar Heels, which we'll get into in a second. But at that point, the game was essentially over. Carolina was never really able to get anything else going. So Two big things tell the whole story of this game to me and why Carolina didn't win it. The first off, the, the two things are red zone inefficiency and miscues. So let's take those each one at a time. First off, red zone, you, you've heard me talk about all football season. Dude, Carolina is killing it. When they get in the red zone, they are so efficient. First nine games of the season, Carolina... success rate on scoring something field goal or touchdown. They had a 75.5% success rate at those, at those scores being touchdowns. And so seven, like three quarters of the time Carolina was getting into the red zone. They were scoring touchdowns. That's insane. That's so good. And only 12.2% of the time were they not scoring any points. And so like, I mean, that's what you expect the Tar Heels to keep doing. It's like, you've done all this already. Why not keep that going? Or excuse me, I should say through the first 10 games, I said nine. Um, And so, man, great stuff there. But then the three most recent games, you get into that. And Carolina has a 52.9% success rate on scoring in the red zone. That's not touchdowns. That's any points. 52.9% only 29.4% touchdown success rate. And they scored zero points on nearly half their possessions in the red zone. 47.1. You guys, that's just not going to do it. And that to me tells the story of what has happened down the stretch here. And part of that is that Drake may has been essentially mortal in that stretch as well. And we'll, we'll look at those numbers as we continue on. So, um, red zone inefficiency is one thing. And then next is the miscues in this game told the story of it for Carolina. Right after Clemson got that first touchdown on Klubnik's uh, first drive on Carolina's second play, there was a missed handoff between Drake may and that was Omari Hampton's first series of the game. And it just, the ball didn't get in the bread basket. I it looked to me like it was on Drake May, and not, he didn't get it in there. Well, Clemson jumps on it, goes down and scores a touchdown. Then Carolina has a sustained drive. They go down, take up most of the second quarter and a blocked field goal. Now, to be fair, the play right before that, I thought um, Antoine Green was interfered with and was not called. I I just don't, don't understand why we call these things bang, bang when you watch them. And it's clear that... The, the defensive backer, or linebacker, or whoever it is out in coverage has grabbed an arm before the ball is there or something of that nature. It's like, I don't care if it's bang, bang. If the defender's there early and doesn't allow the receiver to get the ball, that should be DPI every single time. It wasn't called. Carolina still should have hit the field goal. They didn't block it up right. And it was blocked. Next drive Carolina has, they get all the way to the Clemson three and they can't punch it in. They got to settle for a field goal. They made that one, but it's not seven, it's three. And then it's halftime at that point, right? And so Carolina gets out first drive of the second half. They got the ball and it's like, all right, let's go. Nope, nothing doing second drive they get all the way back down to the Clemson five. That that's the thing is Carolina just moved the ball so well in this game. But they had miscues and that red zone inefficiency. And in, in this instance, they were both together in one. Drake May scrambles to the rights looking for John Copenhaver. He had him early, I thought, in the read and didn't go to him. Um, but when he eventually does, is a bad throw. Pick six. That makes it 32-10 to 10 on the pick six after the two-point conversion that Clemson went for and got. That game's over. I mean, yeah, you keep fighting and you keep scrapping for it, but that game is over. And, and to my point about Carolina having the ball and moving it and doing it well, second quarter time of possession. If you haven't looked at this, you need to look at it with me. Carol- of the 15 minutes, Carolina held the ball for a 11.43 of that quarter. Clemson only had it for 3.17. Wow, that is so lopsided. Carolina probably outscored Clemson a lot in that quarter, right? Nope. Tigers outscored Carolina 10-3 in a quarter where they held the ball for 3 minutes and 17 seconds. Yeah. So, friends, Drake May has been pedestrian for his standards during this losing streak. Zero TD passes in two of the last three games. Sam Howell, you'll recall, literally threw a TD pass every game of his three-year Carolina career. Three picks for Drake May in the first 10 games of the season. Four in the last three games. Zero 300-yard passing games in the last three. His highest rushing total in the last three games is 32. Something's going on there. Either Drake May is hurt. The the line, something's going on there. There's been rumors that maybe teams have signals. I don't think it's that, but I'm not going to rule it out because it is such a stark contrast from the first ten games to the last three games, something is off. Now, there there is hope, as we often see at the end of the year, um, when a player just comes in and does something really well. And so, because of the injuries in the secondary, to um, you know, you've got no storm, duck, no Cam Kelly, Tony Grimes has been out. Um, Will Hardy, true freshman, comes in and leads this team. In fact, it leads both teams with 13 tackles, the only one in double digits for the entire game. You love to see that. Marcus Allen, another freshman, had some solid moments at at corner. There were a couple freshman plays. I I can't remember if it actually went for a touchdown, but there was a play where he went for a pick, didn't get it, and nobody was behind him. And so just a, a freshman mistake there. But... There are glimpses of good things to come. Just got to grow up and you got to go make plays and you got to keep winning. If Carolina wants to be elite. They got to start getting to these upper echelons and do it. Now, uh, Oregon coming up in the bowl game. This could very well turn into a four game losing streak. We're going to have to just wait and see who all is going to play, who opts out, what all happens with any of that transfer portal and all sorts of stuff. So stay tuned. We'll talk more about it in the days ahead. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Thanks for making our show your first listen. Let me encourage you to make Locked on Sports today your second listen the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. As for our show, if you would, please subscribe, smash the like button, leave some comments on your thoughts on what's going wrong in these losing streaks for both teams, but also leave some comments shouting out encouragement, right? Uh, These are young men trying to win these, these basketball and football games, and they need your encouragement. I really appreciate you hanging out with me on a Monday, even a Monday coming out of another bad weekend for these two football team and basketball team. But always, it's still a great day to be a Tar Heel, right? You know it is. And until tomorrow, peace.